Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 133 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. How you doing, everybody? Uh, on this week's show, Wiggins is not going to be uh, in the studio. Thank God, right? I'm just kidding. And uh, you know what? We're going to do a little bit of talk about the MPC, the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge for 2018 wrap-up. We're going to talk a little bit about motorcycle news, and uh, we might even talk a little bit of smack. We'll have uh, some maybe racing action, and uh, hopefully at the end, some upcoming events. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see how I'm feeling. All right, let's kick this episode to the curve. Wait a minute. Part of the project not played. I'll give you part of the project not played, you stupid piece of hardware. Listen, man, my computer, I think, uh, I, I think it took a dive last week. I, I will tell you why I think it took a dive, and uh, it, it'll all wrap into the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. Uh, first off, episode 133, here we are, we made it. I uh, hope you got, I hope you liked episode 132, and... Um, I did want to say that uh, thank you for patrons. Thank you for all of our patrons. We got a new patron, patron Molly. <clears throat> Pardon me. My, um, I'm not feeling that great. I'll talk about that in a second too. But yeah, thank you, Molly. And um, we'll be sending your stuff out pretty soon. If you'd like to become a patron, stick around for the end of the show. We'll tell you how to do it. But uh, a little bit of patron news, actually, for you guys and gals that have been supporting us for the past couple months. We've had a patron account going now for, I think, two months. So thanks, everybody, that's shown their support. Um, I sent out some uh, patron pledge packs for this last month um, of June, I guess, the end of June. And also the um, Solstice Slam winners and the Solstice Slam patron winner. And if you uh, stick around to the end of the show, I'll tell you how you yourself could be a winner for Salsa Slam and possibly Spooky Spokes. All right. So thanks, patrons. And um, let's get into the show this week. All right. All right. May have some audio issues. We'll see. I don't think my computer can (laughs) can handle me yapping and music playing at the same time right now. And I'll tell you why. Uh, this week was the uh, one of the hottest weeks I've ever experienced living here in L.A. and Southern California. I'm sure there's been some crazy uh, temperatures on record in the past, but this week was, as Dan from Daily Biker said, absolutely melting. Uh, Friday... Um, okay, the, the uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge wrapped up this week. It goes from Wednesdays to Wednesdays, right? And uh, so it wrapped up uh, a couple days ago. And basically, uh, last Friday, when I was setting out f- to uh, record stuff for my final... Yeah, it's not going to accept that answer. We'll just have to roll here by the seat of my pants. But um, yeah, so last week, um, as I was getting ready to roll out and get my last letters for the uh, the final week of the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, it was 118 um, inside the, where we record and inside where I work. I work from home. 
Uh, it was absolutely... Uh, I don't know if this made it on the last recording segment, but Dan from Daily Bikers said absolutely melting. And it was. Um, just walking around my work desk, my workstation, was physically hot. It had to be at least like 100... Uh, it didn't, uh, if you're, if you feel another human and they feel warm, you, you understand you're feeling 98 degrees, right? If they feel hot, you're feeling above a hundred degrees, right? Or above body temperature. My desk did not feel lukewarm. My desk felt pretty warm. I'm guessing that the surface just from the hot air, uh, in my office, the, the air was so hot that the surface of my desk was at least like a hundred and one or two. It felt like putting my hands on someone's head that had a fever. Needless to say, my equipment, like my monitors and my uh, PC, were like blazing hot. It's to the point where I whipped out another fan. I don't have AC in my office. It's really awesome. So I whipped out another fan, had it blowing on the uh, computer equipment. So hopefully it didn't fry. Um, and last week's show, uh, as you know, I tried to have them out by at the latest, uh, noon Pacific Standard Time, so that people getting off work on Fridays on the East Coast can hear it, and in Australia they can wake up and have a cup of coffee before I don't know what time it is. Seventeen hours ahead over there, maybe they're maybe they're eating dinner and they you know <laughs> whatever time it is at, uh, on Saturday. But um, yeah, the thing, the audio would not process and it wouldn't even upload. I had to take it into. Uh, part of my house that has air conditioning, turn on a fan, turn on the air conditioning and, uh, let it process and let it cool down. And I had the fans running and everything. It was just, it was that hot. This thing was burning up. Um, and it hasn't worked right since. And, uh, I hope I didn't like cook something like part of the motherboard or something, you know, I just, I hope I didn't wreck it, but man, what a blazing, uh, blazing afternoon. And so what did I do is I, I went out and rode, I needed the, <clears throat> excuse me, I needed a letter. So I went out and I rode uh, once it cooled down to about 116, um, and I threw on a long sleeve shirt. Little tech tip here, if you're riding in the heat, I have mesh gear, and uh, that is actually detrimental. Um, I, I actually wore my leather jacket, that's right. I wore my leather jacket just to keep the sun and keep the hot air off me. See, what was happening in my office, I think I made it hotter in here than if I were to just sit in dark, stale air and bake. I had the fans on. I opened up a door to try to get a breeze going through. But what happens when the air outside, I mean, it's different if the inside is hot and you open the door and get a nice cool breeze coming in and get a fan pointed the right way and start creating airflow through the room. It's another thing if the air outside is hotter. It's already baking in here, but the air outside is even hotter. And so basically I was just blowing hot air through here. I couldn't even think straight. Like my brain was boiling. I was, you know, I had a cold rag and a uh, over my head and a cool shirt and trying to keep my neck cool because that helps regulate your body's temp. And when I went out riding, I put my leather on so that any sweat that I had would cling to me. And I would like get a little bit of breeze going up my sleeves. And I think I did open the vents on my leather and it would hit, come in, hit my, um, my wet, sweaty shirt and cool me down. If I had just been riding in mesh gear with nothing underneath, you know, 
the hot air would have just came right through and desiccated my body. I would have been like a piece of dried out bread by the time I got to my location. I'm still paying for it now. As you can hear, I can't talk that well. My throat has been hurting. Um, I went up and down and up and down um, through elevations, and it's been a really dry week, as you can imagine. And then it got kind of, uh, I think it, spr- yeah, it did. It sprinkled on me a little bit like Saturday or Saturday or Sunday. <clears throat> and so I've been through all sorts of weather and altitudes over the last week. I've been from all the way up in Big Bear down into the desert out in Palm Springs. So uh, been from really, really dry desert heat to uh, and and wind all the way up to crisp, cool mountain air at night. And so... Yeah, I think my throat is taking a toll. My lips are still dried out. Like I've been drinking constant water, but I haven't, my body just hasn't soaked it up yet. But yeah, what I did is I wore lots of, um, I wore leather that day that it was really hot because I didn't want the wind just basically to blow all the moisture off me. And then after I've sweated it all out, I'm like, oh crap, I have nothing else to sweat out now. And I can't sweat can't cool down so yeah i wore leather and i wore a long sleeve shirt underneath it seems like counterintuitive but that's like what you got to do um i remember when i used to uh race cars and stuff there were these cool suits you could buy there was basically like a dry ice pump sort of i mean these shirts literally had like a radiator just little um tubes crisscrossing back and forth across the shirt and uh, you had like a pump and a cooler and like a little device that would uh, bolt in the back of your car and a little tube that would run up and it would pump like water through this suit basically, like a little pump, a little vacuum pump. And it would circulate water through this shirt just like a radiator for your car. And so, yeah, that was, <clears throat> I felt like that'd be awesome. I, I, I think I've actually seen some of those before. Some dudes do like a poor man's cooler on the back of their motorcycle and have little tubes run in. But man, you want to keep that sweat on your body when it's that hot because you want to, uh, once it's gone, there's nothing keeping you cool anymore. And then you can't sweat anymore. You've got rid you've dehydrated yourself and that's even more dangerous. So it was crazy. And, uh, it was fun though. Like needless to say, uh, I did have a lot of fun. Glad the challenge is over. Um, my butt didn't hurt as bad this week. I figured out a little bit better riding position, um, and I just got accustomed to the, uh, the miles in the seat. So it was pretty good. I guess since we're already talking about it, uh, let's just go ahead and keep rolling with it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a brief, um, I guess, uh, ending. I don't know if I talked about last week's uh, during last week, but, um, yeah, we missed the flash challenge, which it was 4th of July, thank a vet or a first responder. And pardon me in, in respect to the first responders and stuff around here, they really do really good stuff for our community. They're actually the guys, the cops and the fire departments around here are really awesome. And, um, they basically, uh, didn't want to go on. I could have been some, I could have been anybody. I could have been like some crazy Antifa guy or like just some, I could have been a crazy fanboy of the police and making my own video or something. You know what I'm saying? So the law enforcement and first responders that I could uh, find around here uh, did not want to go on camp on, you know, make a video 
even if it was thanking, they really like thanks and praise and all that stuff. But yeah, just without a media relations person there, and I have to do that at my work. I mean, most people have to do that at their work. Unless you're the owner, you uh, don't have permission to just, you know, you could be the janitor of, and the, of Bloomberg News and somebody comes up and says, well, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? You know, you, you really direct it to the media relations person. So we missed out on last week's Flash Challenge. This week, Sing Syme was able to nab us. It was a jukebox. And uh, I'm assuming he went in there and had like a, a malted shake and played some Michael McDonald or something, <laughs> you know. And uh, but yeah, he got our flash challenge for us this week. We put <clears throat> sorry about that. We put a ton of miles on this week, and since I am burned his freaking leg, he made a pass at uh, I forget he was he was racing over the weekend, I guess. And or right before the weekend, I think is when it happened. And I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's show either, so forgive me. But he totally scalded his leg. It's like third or second degree burns. And so he was like out riding this week. He I think he only got a couple cities, but that's all we needed. And to me and asked we were able to take uh, fourth place back from Girl on a Moto this week. Last week, uh, I think I mentioned that we dropped down in front of the uh, one rider team, and he was the only guy behind us. And this week, we really pushed. I really tried my best. I, got, I, th- I thought I got some really good letters, and I thought my strategy for our flash challenge was good. We had a lot of E's, and I figured if we doubled the E's, I made the mistake of adding up all the words and then adding up the E's and multiplying them by two. And I didn't think, hey, you already got credit for the E's once in the word. You don't multiply them by two at the end. So Natalie pointed that out and I was like, oh, well, there went my 108 points that I was counting on. I only got 100 or I only got 54 points. But that's like getting an extra city. So not not too bad. And uh, Girl on a Moto finished. It was hard to find a K. And it, I think we got K last year, and I missed that because we couldn't, we didn't have any cities uh, around here that had a K. And I think last year, Singsime, when he was a listener writer, I believe he was able to get a K, and I was able to use that in lieu of my K. Although I don't, I don't remember how last year's worked. No, I think you had to get the letter too. And um, so yeah, I probably didn't get credit for that uh, shit. Well, maybe that's why I came in. Uh, I was 12 points away from from Motorcycle Men this year, or last year. This year, uh, everybody was on a tear. People were just going crazy. People were getting the craziest stuff. Uh, Since there was a lot of new players, there was all these questions. Can we do this? Can we do this? What's acceptable? What's a municipality? Um, Can I use a theme park? Can I use an Indian reservation? Or as I prefer to call them, a Native American tribal land. Can I use, uh, what was the other one, an Air Force base? You know, lots of people getting all these crazy things that we hadn't thought of before. And it's sort of like lane splitting. If it's not explicitly illegal, then it's not, you know, if it's not, if it doesn't say you can't use it, then maybe you can. And so the admins had their hands full this year. Plus there was um, Girl on a Moto. There was 50 listener writers, I think I counted uh, today, and 30 active. And so not only every pod, there were six podcasts times two to three people on that. Um, so you had at least close to 18 uh, podcast writers plus uh, 30 active. So you have like 50, 48 to 50 people that you're tracking <laughs> at all times and multiple submissions because you find something a little better and uh, or asking, you know, 50 people asking, is this okay? Because we're all going, we're going, you know, 
balls to the wall this year trying to get uh, trying to beat everybody else. And and there was a lot of townships and villes and villages. Man, it was it was even harder this year than than last year. And um, so yeah, it was pretty exciting. And and this I was super stoked thinking that maybe we're gonna creep past motorcycle men this year. But they we had them running from last year. They were uh, pretty on point. And uh, we finished 143 points behind them this year. That's a little bit more than 12. I would have liked to have been in front of them by that much. But, yeah, the competition was that stiff. And um, I'd like to say to our local com- competitors of Girl on a Moto, good show. They 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 killed it, man. They were really good. And um, the heat actually helped me because I don't think any of them were crazy enough to ride in the heat. But uh, So that kind of helped me out. And helped me uh, basically get a couple days riding in um, like an idiot. You know, I basically dehydrated, but I'm paying for it still. It's like a week later. Um, And actually, I rode down to uh, Rancho Palos Verdes the day that it was 118. I waited till 7 o'clock at night to leave or 6, yeah, 6.45 or 7 to leave to go down there. Uh, You know, I waited for the temperature to drop down to 114. So, yeah. From like three o'clock to seven o'clock, it only dropped. Um, I mean, I guess four degrees, but still, it was so hot. I thought it'd be really cool down by the water too, but it was not, especially at like sixty miles an hour. And um, I wear contacts, and so they were literally like little pieces of crusty film or plastic in my eye. By the time I got down there, I could barely see. It was actually kind of freaky riding over i had to go down to the to the uh, long beach piers because there's not like a specific way to get into ranchos palace verdes so the way it had me go is down the uh, 710 to long beach over to the islands where um like l the port of la is a huge huge shipping port and all the the uh, shipping containers come through and so there's a special island out there where all the big huge cargo ships come through and get offloaded and then they get loaded onto trains and semi trucks from there and you know shipped inland to all you guys over in Wisconsin and a few of you guys over there in Utah and everybody else in Minnesota and all that right via rail and truck those big boxes that are on the back of semis and that are on the top that are stacked on trains come through LA a lot of the time and so there's this whole island that's just devoted to the the uh the piers and the ports so uh there's terminal like a through j and so i had to ride all across all that and it's so weird being out on this like man-made island uh, on this really sketchy windy road going over these weird bridges that are like super super high um arched bridges uh yeah it's nuts so anyway make a long story short and to end the motorcycle podcaster blah blah uh, I just want to say thanks to our local competition. Girl on a Moto killed it this year. Uh, they had flow charts out the wazoo, and uh, they got some really fabulous pictures. Um, we missed our flash challenge, or we might have been a little bit closer to uh, Motorcycle Men. And uh, next year, I'm really I look forward to next year again. Nikki, Nikki, and Chad, the rider, the listener riders for us. Out of 30 active riders and 50 entered listener riders, Nikki came in fourth place. I'm so proud of her. And Chad came in ninth, and that is spectacular. And he did a he did a wonderful job um, on his videos and all that stuff. It was I don't know, he was really really good. And uh, and Nikki just killed it out there riding. So I'm really proud of you guys. Maybe one of these years, um, 
God, we were so far behind first place. I think we we're like 500 points behind first or something. So I don't know how we're going to do that unless there's like a new a new challenge. Like they've changed it they changed it from the first year to the second year and they kept it this third year. So maybe next year uh Beulah gave a good from Girl on a Moto gave a good suggestion. Why don't we do golf lowest score wins? So now all you guys that are getting like King and Queen's Courthouse, New Jersey and I don't know, Blount City Townshipville Village Borough, whatever these goddamn six word village borough parish things were, you guys will be hosed because if they go to a golf scoring uh, format, yeah. Anyway, all right, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come right back and get some water on my vocal cords. Hey there, this is patron Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions. I'm currently coming at you from Tokyo, and you're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, probably because you ran out of all the other podcasts to listen to, and you really dig motorcycle haiku. Later. I think that's kind of a a, a weird statement. Wigs, you would think that was a weird statement. Matt from uh, My Motorbike Obsessions, by the way, a patron supporter. <laughs> of creative writing and i am excited to say sent me an email he's going to be competing this weekend at paris so if you're going to be out there check him out he's going to be in the open beginner or the 35 plus novice or both riding his uh crf 450r out there learning to shroud learning to shred matt i am super proud of you and i'm even more proud that you're a patron supporter of the show and uh, keep up the good work buddy all right This is Liza from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. And when I am getting a root canal or something else really just painful and shitty, I like to listen to the Creative Writing Podcast because the best way to fight pain is with pain. I couldn't have said it better myself, Liza May. Uh, Liza, by the way, uh, probably on her way back from Vintage Days at this point. Um, for those of you that listen to the Motorcycle Misfits podcast, you might have noticed that they weren't around. They were at Vintage Days. Also, listener, I think Sarah is there too, and we're going to be yapping with Sarah one of these days. She's a very interesting cat. Hey, in the meantime, let's get into some news. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Cleveland Moto. Speaking of uh, Bar- Barber Vintage Days, that's who Liza went out there to hang out with was the the fools from Cleveland Moto Podcast. I just listened to an awesome show, their podcast from this week or maybe last week, and uh, they were talking about the latest craze that we've all been that we're yapping about was the Harley-Davidson tariffs. And I think on the last show, I said I told you snap tap Rostin sent us a really good clip of somebody that was talking about the the tariffs and how they came Harley wanted them and they came back to bite Harley later um and some of the stuff that people are talking about now is same sort of deal and how tariffs work and how tariffs don't work and uh all that great stuff and how you know I don't know. There was there was a lot of good talk on that Cleveland Moto. Um one of the things they did talk about was that Triumph uh, 
basically Triumph's been selling like crazy. Triumph also uh, profit margin increased by 90% last year, also when they started producing in Thailand. So uh, Harley-Davidson moving over there, of course, is no big secret, and we've been talking about that for a while now too. But uh, they were there's a couple people that I've actually had interactions with that have said, oh, man, if they like get Harley-Davidson's now that are made over there and blah, 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 and... You know, they ship them back here. That's exactly what Harley-Davidson is not trying to do. However, at last year's IMS, you may have remembered me mentioning that Harley-Davidson's goals for the next, like, five years is not only to introduce, like, 100 new bikes in the next 10, but I think in the next five, they wanted to increase ridership by, like, over half a million or or a quarter million. I forget. Maybe it was two million. But to get those new riders... Uh, you can't sell four bikes to the uh, 50,000 people that ride in the United States. You got to go to other countries. To avoid the tariffs in those countries, you have to produce over there. And if if you know your Harley-Davidson history, all you crazy Harley-Davidson freaks out there that love to talk shit about them now, is that since 2012, Harley-Davidson's been manufacturing motorcycles or at least assembling them in India and... In uh, Brazil, they have a plant in Haryana, India, and a plant in Manaus, Brazil. So uh, it's not this making, not making them, but uh, assembling them outside the country is nothing new. And they consolidated all their stuff to the uh, the York plant. The Kansas City plant hasn't shut down yet. I think it's going to be closing down later next year. Uh, so it's not like they just went out and. You know, everybody's out of a job all of a sudden. Um, they, as with any good business, if you're a business owner, you know what I'm talking about. You have an exit plan or you have a closing plan for if you start to go out of business. And so, like any business, Harley Davidson has those in place and they don't just shutter the doors. That actually costs more than it does to wind stuff down and move production back to somewhere else. Having said that, uh, Harley, they made a good point on, um, Cleveland Moto is that Triumph, Harley Davidson, all these fools that are switching over to other countries to make things more affordable for those markets uh, and other markets and avoid tariffs in other markets, they all are like a non issue because all those mofos are going to be outsold by the Honda Monkey when it drops. And I mean, it's already on Honda's website along with the 2019 Grom. Uh, and that thing is just gonna it's gonna be funny to see how well that thing sells. Groms are so prevalent. Um, my uh, director at work a while back, I don't usually like to talk about work um, on the show, but when we're talking about market research and and uh, depth of sales and stuff like that was asking me, are Groms worth the uh, effort, you know what I'm saying to to put the data out there? I said, listen. Uh, a lot of people are Groms are their second bike, and uh, even people that are th- have them as their first bike, uh, Groms are quite the item. There's so, so many Groms out there, and people doing stuff with Groms, and people that have multiple Groms, and our own steady garage right here in our own backyard is one example of people taking a Grom and making it a 250 or a 300. And that's not even the people that just leave them stock and just put some Wango Tango parts on them and like either use them as like a uh, like a supermoto or to learn like a little cart track bike or just a hooligan around on right. 
So the monkey, if you can imagine that, man, that thing is going to sell as basically a Grom with uh, dual shocks and lots of chrome. And it's going to, I'm pretty sure it's going to go like gangbusters. People want that little monkey bike look like this Trail 70, but they want a 125 motor. So, yeah, I mean, this thing's going to go like hotcakes, I'm pretty sure. So Harley Davidson, Triumph, all these guys, these people making news in other ways, Honda, secretly coming in and just being like, hey, guess what we have? We're going to have a bike that's going to put all those to shame. Another thing regarding Harley-Davidson that they mentioned is that if Harley-Davidson makes these bikes overseas and then tries to bring them back here, that's total bullshit. And even the guys at Cleveland Moto who do their own fair bit of Harley bashing were really upset about that. That's not why Harley-Davidson, I'm going to come to their defense, that's not why they're doing it. They are selling bikes in other countries to up their ridership, which they said they wanted to do. They wanted to make it a goal for and they gave a, a, a number and a year. There's no way to do that without building in other countries and uh, avoiding these tariffs. So a lot of Harley-Davidson riders are say, doing what Hillary Clinton and uh, Al Gore supporters did back when uh, W got elected and Trump got elected. We're going to move to Canada, right? So a lot of people are going, man, Harley-Davidson, I'm never going to buy another one now that they're making them in other countries and they're going to ship them back here. That's BS. Well, listen, hey, that's not going to happen. I'm going to come, I'm defending Harley because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They've already said they're doing it in other countries to avoid tariffs there and to make it affordable to the, uh, basically, the economy there, the the local economy to which they're going to be selling. And uh, Phil from Cleveland Moto, I guess, was talking about somebody that he ran into that paid like $53,000 U.S. for a bike from Japan or China or something uh, that was a Harley that over here would have cost him like $36,000. That's a $20,000 friggin' tariff right there on Harley-Davidson's that they're willing to pay in these other countries if they have uh, that sort of dough. And obviously the guy was well off, um, but imagine the normal Joe Blow who has to ride a 125 with eight people stacked on it. Like They're not going to be even able to afford a $9,000 Harley. So you make it in there, you sell it to there, and uh, people in the U.S. don't care, but it's good for us because the money all goes into the Harley little coffee can that they hide under their pillow. So that was something else that had been said. Uh, I'm gonna. The reason I said that it reminded me of the Hillary Clinton and uh, Al Gore, you know, followers is because of, well, we're going to move to Canada if this Republican gets elected, and people are saying we're going to quit buying Harley Davidson. Same sort of thing, you guys. Come on, like it's not. They're not going to be made in the ones that are made here are made here. And uh, as far as I know, Harley's not going to go anywhere. One of the guys on Cleveland Moto was saying they're in their death throes, but I fully disagree. This is them uh, expanding globally, and they've been global. They were in, if you remember, if you go back to, I think it was episode 62, where Harley versus India, and this is when the Indian. Uh, Scout was first coming out the flat the FTR 750 rather was coming out and they did a big thing at the Peterson I did a whole history show and there was a Harley Davidson licensed into Japan like in the 40s before World War II and uh, 
So Harley Davidson was already licensing their bikes to a company called like Raichu or something like that in Japan, right? So Harleys have been overseas before, like in the thirty late thirties. Uh, yeah, another thing is that uh, I think I already mentioned they've been making bikes in other countries since two thousand twelve, and uh, there's no way that um, if you see an N on your VIN. Let me think where this is going to be. It's going to be right around mid-pack. I think it's going to be the uh, 11th character from the left or like the 7th or 8th character from the right. If you see an N there, then your bike was made in India. And the only bikes right now that I'm 100% sure are made in India are the streets. And those are the only ones that are making it back to be sold here in the States. Street 500s probably more specifically... Uh, but even some of those I don't think are in uh, that. And some maybe the Sportster 883s that have like an MEG or something. I, I don't know. I, I forget where. Uh, those those might even be made in the States for other countries. So, yeah, you just have to look at your VIN. And an N code is the India plant, Haryana. So, yeah, you got one of the, an N um, you got an Indian bike, and you shouldn't be seeing those because those are produced for other countries. That's one time when you're riding an Indian, not a Harley. <laughs> a Harley Indian, an Indian Harley, whatever. Enough bad jokes and enough blab about uh, the Harley stuff. That was just a couple things that I heard on this specific Cleveland moto. Um, really good points brought up on that show. In other news, uh, we got Travis Pastrana this week made huge news by doing something evil. All pun intended, folks. You can slap me in the face if you see me in person. I'm 127, so don't slap me too hard. But anyway, Travis Pastrana made news this week, uh, recreating three of Evil Knievel's jump in one evening. Uh, All of the one, and basically... Evil Knievel crashed like shit on all these. <laughs> Evil Knievel was a BA, and uh, he jumped Triumphs, and he jumped Harleys, and neither one of them, they were both basically nearly the same bike. Uh, they just they both had crappy suspensions, and they were really heavy. And uh, Travis Pastrana went ahead and said, hey, guess what, man? I'm going to launch this baby. He jumped Caesar's Palace. He jumped like 52 stacked cars. And I think he jumped 16 short buses or semi trucks, school buses, city bus. I don't know what he jumped, but he basically did three of the jumps that Evil uh, came up short on, I believe. Evil's actual jump, I think, of 52 cars was good, actually. Uh, he landed that one, I'm pretty sure. But I think, yeah, he, he did it with much less run up than Evil had. Uh, of course, the bikes nowadays, the suspension is totally doable. His outfit looked a little bit evil Knievel-y, and he did it on an Indian, which is Indian basically. Uh, I mean, I, a lot of people were saying, I, I hope Travis Stokes, younger generations like Evil did. Uh, but all I have to say is that when you do something like Nitro Circus, are you really going to stoke anybody by going backwards and doing like what looks like a really simple jump? The, the the one cool factor is that Evil Knievel is still sort of like one of those last lingering uh, icons of history. I haven't, uh, I'll make, I'll talk about this point in a minute. But the thing is, is that I don't think kids nowadays that see you do like a friggin' quadruple backflip in like a 25 foot 
box basically launching off of a huge metal ramp and get excited when you do like a really boring looking jump over a fountain in Las Vegas. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I just don't think, and, and Evil did those things weeks and months apart. It took planning. The fact that you could blow, knock them all out in one day, I mean, you have to do that to keep this generation's, or uh, not this generation, everybody in this uh, current time, when, no matter what your age is, what generation you're from, nobody has a damn uh, sense of patience anymore or, or or even an attention span. So you pretty much had to knock them all out in one night. And if you're footing the bill and you get Las Vegas to agree to it, and you got all the insurance paid for in this night, you might as well do it, get it knock it out, get it out of the way. But I, I just found it interesting. Uh, I, just right now, and at this point in time, Indian making moves like this when Harley, other podcasts think Harley's in their death door. Indian right now doing like every, they're in it, man. They're winning flat track. They're doing, crushing it with like Roland Sands, doing this evil jump, you know. Travis Pastrana and Roland Sands. I can't think of like two more well-known motorcycle icons uh, jumping an Indian now rather than like choosing a Triumph or a Harley. Uh, And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, an Indian right now, uh, it feels like they're, it feels like this is a marketing ploy. I don't know if this is a marketing ploy. This kind of feels like Travis Pastrana just wanted to recreate something. And I don't know if like Evil Knievel's having a, a birthday come up or something, but or why he wanted to recreate it now. But it, it is pretty cool. And I have a uh, I have a niece right now that didn't know who James Dean or Marilyn Monroe was. And Evil Knievel is uh, obviously survived longer than those two yokels. But at the same time, when you used to say like Americana or like America, you would think like Mickey Mouse, James Dean, and Marilyn Monroe. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I feel like they've faded. She doesn't know who they are. She didn't know Vermont was a state, though, you guys. like, And this person has a driver license. Like This is a little scary. But uh, I kind of feel like evil... Travis doing this right now is basically when you go to check your VIN or you go to check your uh, your motorcycle at the DMV and they're like, oh, it's been out of the uh, system for uh, six and a half years. And then you go and check it and it's like, ooh, well, now there's been a query on it and it's no longer, uh, you can't, uh, it's no longer out of the system because it hasn't been seven years since somebody checked. It's only been six years and a half months. So what Travis is doing right now with evil is uh, keeping him relevant right before he went obsolete, I guess is my point. So James Dean and Marilyn Monroe, I'm sorry, you're being retired. Evil Knievel, you just got renewed. Everybody, if you're out there listening right now and you can hear my voice, please uh, go over to Chris Nitrous Chris on uh, the Facebook pages, or go to Instagram. I think Nitrous Chris there also. Tell him thanks for riding for us. I, not not that Paul didn't ride. Paul put on about a quarter of a million miles, but uh, just tell Nitrous Chris that you hope his leg heals up pretty good. 
he blew a rear coolant hose. I think I mentioned this on last week's show and uh, sprayed his leg. Now he's got a really nice looking third degree burn. And that dude is not giving up. I think he, he went riding for me for a couple cities and he's still been racing and tuning and this and that. So tell him to, uh, you hope he has a speedy recovery, gets out there, wins some of the uh, WIR top 10 bikes. And uh, I don't know, just tell him to put some Neosporin on it, take care of it. Don't get so, don't get so greedy with your motorcycles when your skin is uh your, that's your number one defense bro all right next thing i'd like to talk about in the news this week is ducati uh we all know that ducati i mentioned uh was it last week or the week before that i mentioned ducati has this new app where you can if you have the new multistrata 1260 you can be an exclusive owner of this uh, app that lets you integrate with the bike see the bikes how it's running get the stats on the bike how you rode uh throw down some GPS coordinates and photos and stuff like that and share with your buddies, share the ride. And and you don't have to be a 1260 owner to do that actually with the Ducati, with the, uh, I forget the name of the, the app is, but uh, you can just do that and, and show your friends where you rode. But if you really want to get full integration into the bike, booyah, it's available now. Next on Ducati's, uh, I just got this little email this morning in my uh, inbox, which is where I normally get my emails. Sometimes people throw them through the window. No, never. I won't tell you all about that. Anyway, yeah, there's a uh, a new thing Ducati's doing, and of course we know Ducati is owned by Audi. If you didn't know that, now you know. And if you didn't know that, you probably didn't know that like about a year ago there was speculation that Harley Davidson was going to buy Ducati, and we just started cracking up over that shit. It was just great. But uh, anyway. I digress. Uh, getting on, Ducati is who is owned by Audi are doing some V to V and V to I, which is vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to infrastructure communication. They are uh, way back in episode four. We talked about cooperative intelligent transportation systems and the future of cars talking to each other and cars talking to infrastructure, and possibly in the future, you won't need. A stop sign or a stop light because your car will tell the car that's headed toward that same intersection, here I am, I'm this far away and I'm going this speed, are we going to collide? And that car will say yes or no. And the intersection, instead of having a traffic light or a stop sign, will basically just be like a server. It'll be like the, the umpire for that box where the, where the two roads cross and it'll tell the cars, hey, you're going here and you're going here you won't collide if you drop your speed by half a mile an hour and you speed up by a mile an hour. Cars, you know, 30 seconds later pass feet from each other or even yards from each other or meters from each other safely at a safe speed because they all three talk to each other. So that's what Ducati is working on in cooperation or Audi's working on it also on their cars. So they just, Hey, let's, uh, let me put my chocolate in your peanut butter and spread my peanut butter on your pickle. Right? So they all, they're doing this great thing where Ducati and Audi working together are going to have, um, that what I just talked about intersection, um, 
intersection, I forget what they called it, intersection avoidance or something like that, where when one vehicle is approaching the intersection, it will notify the other vehicle. And pretty soon there will be infrastructure too. Like there, there may, there, there's cameras all over now so you can record people crashing into each other. But at some point that will be like a little box, like a little uh, wireless box that all these uh, car, your cars, if you own a newer car, you know already that it's got wireless capability. And so that'll shoot out to the thing at the intersection, the little receiver there, and say, hey, I'm coming in. I'm doing this speed. And then, oh, shoot, well, there's like a Ducati motorcycle coming, and you better not turn left in front of him. And if you do, we're going to engage his ABS, you know, engage his brakes for him. So they're working on that sort of thing right now where the the motorcycle will do, uh, or the car, depending on who has the right of way, and that will be determined by the little referee there in the intersection. But it, it, they already have like a vehicle warning. This is what they're working on. It's like vehicle warning, um, stop so that you don't rear end a motorcycle or a motorcycle doesn't rear end a car. So uh, distance braking, um, left turn braking, I want to say. I may be getting too, I might be giving them too much credit, but definitely intersection like avoidance where somebody's got the right of way, the other car will be notified. You must stop. Um, so, yeah, they're working with industry leaders and developing these uh, op- interoperability between motorcycles, vehicles, and infrastructure, which I, is this really floats my boat. And uh, I'm really into this, and I wanted to write an article following up on our episode number four regarding all this stuff because it's just so prevalent. And if you heard the last few episodes, I was talking about the safety hoods on the Buicks and uh, how everybody's got like lane, um, lane, what is that called? Lane. I forget what it's called when you're about to go out of your lane because I don't really, I don't, my car doesn't have that. My car still has wooden wheels, but, um, yeah, not lane uh, avoidance, but because uh, you don't want to avoid the lanes. <laughs> but anyway, it keeps you in your lane, and it also keeps you. They already have like this pre-collision braking and pedestrian collision uh, systems co- coming on now that are really good at telling. Um, you know, the 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 systems are getting better at no- at noticing and being able to distinguish what's what. Um. Anyway, this is uh. I used to say V to V and V to I. Because that was what the most simple uh, acronyms for this technology is called. But Ducati's technology is literally called uh, C-V2X. And it's a wireless communication system between road users like pedestrians, bicycles, any infrastructure, uh, all the motorcycles, all the cars. And uh, I think they're trying to go 5G basically on all this stuff. So... Instead of instead of keep rambling on about it here, I'm not even going to read you this whole crazy press release. But the Audi Q7 and A4, uh, the Ducati Multistrada 1200 Enduro, have this C uh, V2X technology right now, and uh, they're going to be just turning up the heat on it and getting it more and more dialed in, and then obviously propagated down through the model range. And um, I think if you listen back to episode four. BMW, Yamaha, and Honda were already doing this with the uh, like a European Council. So all this stuff that you thought was going to be coming down the road in about fifty years, guess what? It's uh, less than two years away. And then when the Harley Davidson drops the live wire, 
they can have that also uh, already be extant on it. Um, let's get into some racing here. This is some terrible news. There's there's two uh, two big names in racing. Uh, one's retired willfully. One's retired um, tragically. And I do want to say first, um, my heart goes out to the Dunlop family. Uh, I just learned, I just read today that over the weekend, um, William Dunlop was killed in the Scaries 100 in um, Ireland. And if you know the Dunlop family, if you don't know the Dunlop family, maybe we should do a special on them. But the Dunlop family is this super historical, like a legacy dynasty family. Um, and they've had tragedies. A lot of them have tragedies on Hondas. The very first one, and these guys are like crazy winners, like uh, ro- real road racing, not road racing on a track that you call road racing because it simulates it. Like these dudes are doing the Isle of Man, the Northwest 200, uh, the all the Irish road racing series, like and anything over. I'm sure they did like uh, the Europe. There's a couple of European road racing series and stuff like that. And these guys have just been legendary. The Dunlop family, will you, uh, actually, like most notably, Michael Dunlop just set a bunch of new records and uh, t- was going to team up with John McGinnis this year for the, uh, the Isle of Man. So Michael Dunlop very much still super, super relevant. And uh, all these other guys also not too shabby. Uh, so to start off with... Um, Joey Dunlop, who is one of the most famous, and he still remains the all-time leader in Isle of Man victories, uh, he died in 2000 on a Honda RS125 in Estonia during a race. And uh, eight years later, his uh, brother Robert was killed in a practice at the Northwest 200 on a Honda RS250. I guess it seized. Um and then uh, now, Michael Dunlop's uh, older brother, William, he's the third member of the Dunlop family. So 10 years after his father passed away, uh, he perished in uh, Ireland this past weekend, uh, the 7th of July. He was a five-time podium finisher at the Isle of Man and, uh, of course, raced the Northwest 200, the Ulster Grand Prix, um, he was a super, super, super successful guy, uh, racing in all the Northern Irish road racing series. And so, uh, he was the first one not to die on a uh, Honda. He perished on his Yamaha or one, I believe he was on. And yeah, it's just really sad, um, that this, basically this, uh, racing family, this legacy family and this, um, dynasty, uh, he was racing at the Scaries 100 in uh, Dublin and uh, crashed right near a tunnel, I guess. Sam's Tunnel is what the uh, article said. And so uh, eventually eventually the sport catches up with you and your, uh, your passion catches up with you. And um, they all know the price. That's, you know, they all know the risk. And uh, still they choose to do it. That's why these guys are my heroes. And um, because they don't let uh, the fear get in the way of basically the, the, the passion and the actual action of doing something. And um, yeah, just rip, um, 
Rip William, man. So Michael, you are one of the last. Uh, you're one of the last out there, and it's gonna be. I'm. I'm just gonna be rooting for you evermore, man. And uh, I hope that you have a a son or a nephew or something like that that will carry on. And uh, I'm sorry you lost your brother. And um, yeah, it's really crappy, but that's the price you pay sometimes. Other racing news. Let's get a little go funky in here. I'm going to throw some music in the background here to cheer things up. But uh, there's been another retirement, this one voluntary, and it's Danny Pedrosa. He was possibly, he finally announced uh, that he was going to, he's been racing for 18 years. Um, I forgot to mention William Dunlop was 32 when he perished. Danny Pedrosa, also 32, retiring. You hear that, Wiggs? He's retiring at 32. But, um, yeah, he he finally decided that uh, to call it quits. There was maybe a chance that he might go to like a Yamaha satellite team, but uh, I guess from what I read on Cycle News, the uh, electronics package and the you know whatever the contract was wasn't enough to say, hey, you've been with the Honda for eighteen years, Pedrosa. Come on over here to Yamaha. And let's get you, let's uh, moonlight you here in these last couple of years. No, he wants to, he retired on good terms with Yamaha. I mean, uh, with Honda. He's been on Honda since he started. And he said he's been racing for like, I forget how many years, like, like, I guess 18 years. He's only 32. So that would have made him six. So yeah, he started racing with Honda when he was six. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's hardcore, man. And possibly he could move to, like a team spokesman or team manager or uh, some sort of industry relations for Honda. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool actually. And I think that he, he's one of the most liked guys. He was one of the most mild mannered guys. And when all the other people are losing their mind, like stoner didn't really lose his mind and make some crazy claims, but he did start to like fade there when he got hurt. He had like, like mystery illness. There was still drama with Stoner there for a while. Uh, right. I think when he was racing for Honda or right after he left Ducati. Um, and then all the stuff, you know, being Nikki Hayden's teammate for a little while was pretty awesome. And, uh, I'm guessing. And then the Lorenzo Rossi Marquez thing, like he had to put up with all of those guys because he was Marquez's teammate for a while, um, and he just got punted. He's like he's won a race every single year since he started uh, racing with Honda, and so never won a championship. Or maybe he actually might have won a couple two fifty championships. I don't think he ever won a GP championship, but I think he won like a couple one twenty five and two fifty championships. But he did win a GP race, I think once every year at least. So uh really good racer and uh supposedly really good mild mannered dude. And it's kind of sad that he's stepping out. So when Rossi is, uh, God, Rossi's like 10 years older than him almost, still going at it. So it would have been nice to see him go. I wish there was a uh, another Honda team or something like that that he could have gone to if that's what the problem was he didn't want to sacrifice. So anyways, yeah, that's uh, our news on Pedrosa. Uh, let's continue a little bit more racing news, and then we'll get into some fun stuff. Hey there, listeners. 
This is Patreon subscriber Nerissa coming to you from inside my helmet in the land of beer and cheese, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to the Creative Writing Podcast because you're obviously ridiculously good looking. You know what, Nerissa? I am good looking and I am listening to the Creative Writing Podcast, but so is everyone else out here. Thank you also, Nerissa, for helping us out this year with the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. I snuck you a little surprise into your patron support pack. And uh, if you want to be like Nerissa and do something really cool for the show, I mean, she's a cool person already. She teaches girls how to build Harley Davidsons and, and motorcycles in general from scratch and uh, mentors them on engineering and math and all that cool stuff that you don't even know about. Listen, she made us a calculator for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge this year so we didn't have to do math long form on paper. Stud. All right. Hey, if you want to send us in some music like the stuff that you just heard from yours truly, go ahead and do it. Uh, send it in to us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we have a Dropbox or a Google Drive that you could drop it into if it's too gigantic for you to send. And don't send us MP3s or anything like that in the actual mail because it's really hard to send a sound wave uh, in the mail. So it's the easiest done electronically for some reason. Um, so yeah, do that. Give us permission to play it. You could have your music on the show. You don't have to. I mean, I love making music and I'm still going to do it, but you could, uh, you could do it. If you want to give it a little shout out like Matt and Arissa did, go to patreon.com forward slash creative writing and join up there. You can be a $1 all the way up to $150 a month. It's per month, dude. So don't be like, I'm going to do this $150 lifetime membership and then be cool. No, no, it's a month and that's our highest level and it's limited. And, uh, We'll we'll actually send you an eight by ten of me and wigs for that price. You know what I'm saying? Might even give you give you a little reach around or a, I don't know. Might do your cut your lawn, do some chores for you. But uh, anyways, yes, thank you, patrons, for sending in your little voice recordings. If you become a patron, you could send a voice recording too. And uh, if you're not a patron, just go ahead and send in whatever you want at any time. We'll read it on the air, um, as proven by the last Solstice Slam, by the way. <clears throat> All right, folks. Well, if you can't tell by the vocal fry and the uh, diminishing excitement in my voice, it's getting hard for me to talk. Uh, I think I really cooked. I was doing like voices in my helmet and chewing my chewing my lips, chewing my cheeks, driving. I drove over seven hundred miles this week for the motorcycle podcasters challenge. And uh, when when I'm in my helmet for that long, I start to like chew on my inside of my mouth so yeah my mouth sore my throat's cracking and dry i think it's almost time for me to get out of here i know this is only an hour-long show which is short compared to some of our other ones but dude i i'm losing the ability to talk uh this is gonna be crummy next week uh i'm gonna be out of town and i don't believe wiggins is gonna be back yet he's gonna be racing x games guys so cheer him on for that that's next uh i want to say like next thursday through Sunday or something like that. You're probably going to be watching the World Cup this Sunday, so you probably don't care. But uh, next Sunday, I think, is going to be the 
X Games. So check out that. See who wins the flat track. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on right now. And uh, I think I might pull the stakes on this show right now. In my uh, talk, talk about upcoming events while I still can. How's that? Alright, first and foremost, get your asses out to Paris this weekend and give Matt, one of our patrons, uh, listeners from My Motorbike Obsessions, he's going to be out there flat tracking his uh, CRF 450 RLFC. Um, also, coming up this weekend, I think the 12th through the 15th, so that's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The Golden Bolt is happening. It's an invitational build. It's the inaugural event. It's happening at the House of Machines down here in L.A. in the Arts District. And uh, it's basically a, it's a custom bike show, but they have to be able to ride for 25 miles. So they can't just be trailer queens. Um, judges are going to include uh, people like Chip Foose. I'm sure you've probably heard of uh, Mr. Foose. Also... Mike, uh, Miguel Galuzzi, I'm sure you know who he is. If you don't know, he designed the Ducati Monster, the Aprilia Dorsa Duro, uh, the Moto Guzzi V7 Racer, um, the Aprilia RS V4. He's done a lot of bike design. Needless to say. And also Mark Prosser, who is a world-renowned author, and uh, he has books on like how to weld and how to beat stuff out of metal so it's going to be a lot of cool guys that are um they should make a couple cool ladies in there too in my opinion but uh yeah they're gonna have uh some experts needless to say down there judging this thing so it's gonna be pretty cool uh also this very same weekend is gonna be the uh women's sport bike rally that's happening at the hilton garden inn in camarillo that's going to be the 13th through the 15th, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, in the 22nd of September, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Weekend after this coming weekend, uh, Wig's going to be racing the X Games, yo. Check that out. That's going to be in uh, Milwaukee, Minnesota. Actually, Milwaukee is not in Minnesota, is it? I guess it's going to be in... Um, Somewhere in Minnesota. I don't even know where it's going to be. Probably like Mini Minneapolis or something like that. Is there a town called that? Is that in Milwaukee? Minneapolis, Milwaukee. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he'll be racing the X Games. Uh, hopefully somebody's going to kick JJ Flaherty's butt this year. And uh, I hope it's uh, Wiggs or Josh Slate or Scott Jones or one of the uh, Suicide Machine bros. I hope it's somebody from SoCal. Uh, we did we did help start the hooligan movement. I hope we can prove that we're still legit. Too legit to quit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, after that, it is going to be a hot one, but it is going to be the, uh, the last Sunday of the month. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that you can buy down at the, uh, what's it called? That cycle swap meet that happens down in SoCal. I guess it's just called the SoCal cycle swap down in uh, Long Beach. That's going to be happening. Then let's uh, talk about what's happening in uh, September. Venice Vintage Rally, the 11th year of this, folks. Uh, this happened on the 22nd of September. And uh, that's basically all they got on ye old uh, LA Motorcyclist. 
So I'm going to tell you what I know is coming up. Just straight out of memory, bro. So let's roll with it here. We got an FXR uh, event coming up, I think, at Willow Springs, like the end of this month. Don't quote me on that. This is coming from my memory, but I think so. Uh, check it out. Let's uh, just get on Instagram and look up like the FXR California event, something like that. Also, next weekend at Leiden Hill, Cafe Racer Cup. I believe I mentioned this last week, but it's put on by Bike Shed, which is like a UK uh, fancy pants cool thing. But they're doing like a Cafe Racer Cup, and it doesn't matter what year your bike is from, it has to match like a criteria. So that kind of levels out all the bikes right there. Um, you might have like you might have a computer that actually works. Then your name wouldn't be Junkie Turdman from Creative Writing. Actually. Anyway, you might have an old vintage 350 Cafe Racer competing against a modern day lookalike, say like a Triumph Thruxton or something like that. But uh, whatever you got, as long as it meets the criteria of visual, um, the style of a cafe racer, go out there and race it at Leiden Hill. Um, There's something else coming up. I think it's called flat tracking. Sorry we didn't get into this week's results or anything like that. I guess I could tell you Jared Meese is probably going to wrap it this season. Um, And Shana Texter probably going to not. Flat track's taking a month-long break. And so uh, we'll have plenty of time before they come back at the, uh, probably Buffalo Chip is where they're going to be. Why are they going to be there? Well, I heard it's Harley Davidson's 115th anniversary. That's coming up at the end, in August. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And if you ride a Harley, you probably have already been hearing about it since the 110th anniversary when they're trying to say, hey, buy our next uh, anniversary bike. Every five years we do one. Um, what else is coming up? I don't know. You tell me. Send us an email. And next week, I do want to talk about uh, our listener, Rob, that sent a little email to the Wigs last week. Uh, he has a, a Scarver, basically. I was looking at the, I was listening to the podcast and I heard what Wigs actually said. And I realized in the moment that I uh, didn't uh, pay attention to what he was talking about, the CS. I kind of, I could vaguely remember, but yeah, I looked at it, looked it up. Oh yeah, it's a Scarver. It stands for uh, Street and uh, Carver. It's a Street Carver, bro. Um, and this F650CS stands for City Street. It's a, you know, BMW is pretty pretty cheesy with their naming like that. So next week I want to talk about those bikes and the sort of things that they did for BMW as a whole and how they helped us move BMW into this uh, current lineup of stuff. I also wanted to say thanks, Rob, for being a patron. Hope you enjoy your uh, little package. And uh, I also want to talk about a couple bikes that we may have to roast via Brian Honeycutt, Mile Master from the FPC Challenge. All right, wait.